Good rainy day morning from the Florida Keys. Yeah, we had one of those rainstorms throughout the night. We got intermittent one this time of year. As we wind down our tropical storm season here, this is Jim the Keys bartender. So, yeah, we had some thunderstorms uh, last night. The low rumbling downpours, low rumbling downpours with rain and the thunder and lightning. But it is supposedly we're expecting a beautiful weekend. And I'm here in the Keys. And every so often here in the Keys, things occur like weather up north. Now, right now, they're, they're getting a lot of rain and things like that, or the remnants of rain coming through. I'm, um, you know, we shot. But the thing that I really miss is being there when I celebrating a friend's some event in their life but um and sometimes it's not it's consoling people you care about and recently the last couple months two friends that i had at one of my former workplaces in philadelphia passed away and pretty innocuously they weren't they weren't uh as far as I know, there was, uh, I'll find out later about the most recent one that happened this week. That was Brian, but Joey, uh, Joniak and Brian Sokolowski. We worked together at Rosewood Caterers in Philadelphia. And it's no shock when someone says to you, you know, as you get older, you start losing friends more frequently or people that you know more frequently. And that being the case that of Rosewood, just like high school, just like your family, as you move up into age demographics, you start losing more people, people you care about. And at that time, when you lose those people, you think, as you should, reflections about your time you shared with those people. I want to talk about Brian and Joey uh, Joey uh, was the leader of the band, The Exceptions. He was a drummer. I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble with the other members of The Exceptions, but, I mean, there's a core group of them. And as well as the house band Razzmatazz, they were friends also at Rosewood. They were two of the best house bands I ever heard. And I've been to a lot of weddings. I worked a lot of weddings. Uh, we've had some come in where people brought their own, but normally people took one of our two bands, our house bands, the exceptions of Rasmataz, because they were excellent bands. They did, you know, they covered a lot of Thomas songs and things like that. They have great instruments and great vocals and all that stuff. And Joey was the leader of that. Joey, uh, Joey was like Brian, which I'm going to talk about Brian a little longer. But Joey, I wasn't as close to as, but I used to speak to him on the weekends. And that's when we work. And I'll go into a little more of that later. Brian Sokolowski was a DJ along with his brother at Rosewood. Uh, Brian's uh, brother was named Kevin. K 
Kevin uh, changed his name though when he was working on the weekends. It was Brian. He went by Kevin Holiday, and we used to joke around sometimes. We call him Brian Holiday, Kevin Holiday, or Kevin South. Uh, Kevin, when he was at work, liked to be called Holiday because he was his stage name. Easy to remember. Oh, it was a smart move for for both of them. But Brian uh, was a jovial guy. He was he was always fun. Was as Joey was. A lot of things they shared. They were both big guys, bigger men, and they both were hardworking. Brian worked for the Philadelphia Water Department, if I recall correctly, and Joey was a, a house painter and painter. And uh, Joey used to also be heavily into string bands. Philadelphia string bands are uh, a Philadelphia region thing, much like New Orleans with their bands and stuff like that. But string bands are only bigger, and they have these companies of people. When they say companies, they were big nonprofits, and they would perform on New Year's Day in downtown Philadelphia. You have string bands. They had comics brigades, and they had fancy brigades. All these different things. It was the Mummers Parade. And Joey was into that big time. Brian, he worked a lot on the weekends and stuff like that also, being a DJ, and he was fun. The guy could bullshit, and he was friendly. I love these two guys. Just fun to be around. And to give you the real thing about this workplace, it was Rosewood Caterers. It was a catering hall in Northeast Philadelphia. Right on the main road, which is Frankfurt Avenue, which runs through that part of northeast Philadelphia that was the hub of activity. And we were right off the exit of, of I-95. And we were a popular place in the working class section of Philadelphia for weddings. But it also did anniversaries, birthday parties, business parties, all different types of social gatherings, senior groups. During the week, um, they had smaller rooms for bridal showers, baby showers. You name it, they did it. We've had weddings there where the ceremony took place in the catering hall. We set up for a wedding and then we have uh, the reception there. We've had funeral engines during the week. Uh, Rosewood Caterers is no longer there, but the building is still there. And the interesting thing is anything that happened in the building after we were there doesn't really negate it. But what happened afterwards was, and I'll talk about it, I'll talk about it now. It, it was a swingers club for a brief moment when the neighborhood kind of shut it down and that part of Philadelphia shut it down. And Rosewood was this beautiful, it had this brick facade out front, had a kind of a, a southern feel to it, antebellum feel to it with pineapple, I don't even know if it pineapple, but, but you know, kind of Greek revival columns in front of it. It was a, it was a cane hall, but you, it was nice in the middle of the northeast Philadelphia. You could get taken out front if you had your wedding there and people used to really enjoy just the setting was there in a parking lot. In a parking lot next to a, it used to be a uh, big department store. 
and behind a shopping center that was anchored by a drugstore. It was sitting there back there, and it was nice. Had a couple, you know, had a little nice little tiny landscaping. Remember, we're in Philadelphia, so it didn't have a lot of land in front of it. Had good parking, which is always essential. Yeah, if you're in a city and someone has a catering hall and they don't have to go and get valet parking or have to park two blocks away or drive around in circles of finding it's a great thing. So, Rosewood Caterers, you understand, most bulk of the activity took place on the weekends, Friday through Sunday, though there was activity during the week. Like many other catering places, it wasn't <coughs> when it was when there was no parties there. It wasn't open. It was a restaurant that had a catering section to it. So Rosewood had maybe 50-plus employees from the kitchen, the dishwashers, the cooks, the prep cooks, the salad ladies, the buffet people, the, the, the kitchen manager or chef. On the floor, we had the servers, bartenders. <coughs> Out front, we had doormen and coat check uh, ladies. And we had salespeople, a couple of salespeople in the office, the, 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 the managers of the place. And then we had the DJs and the bands. So you'd come in there. When we were roll, rocking and rolling in the late 80s, 90s, <coughs> you'd book a wedding there on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and you'd have the band. If you get the room, you got the band. Every so often, someone would bring their own band, but our bands were so good that most people wanted to have them. They tried to hire them away, but, you know, we tried. During the busy season, they were all booked up. And unlike, I don't know unlike, I didn't, I didn't, it was an unusual place. I've always had friendly relationships with the places, with the people I worked with at other places. But Rosewood was kind of like a family. Not the Manson family, but like the Waltons. The, with the caveat, caveat being that the Waltons drank a lot. Like to go to nightclubs. And we used to travel in groups. <coughs> You'd have two weddings. They all usually end at the same time. Like on a Saturday night, it ended at 11.30. Take us about 45 minutes to an hour. They got cleaned up. We'd have a couple drinks at the bar, at our bar there, and then we'd head out to one of the local bars. And we didn't work, most of the people did not work 40 hours together. They may have worked 20, 20 hours on a weekend. But it was one of those places when you were, you know, Brian and, and Joey were hardworking guys during the week. But they always looked like they were enthusiastic at showing up at the catering hall. That was their passion. Brian liked to DJ. Joey liked to play in a band. And it wasn't one of those things where people show up on the weekends. They'd be smiling when they're coming through the door. And you go, hey, how you doing, Jim? Blah, 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 blah. You know, it, how many times, if Friday night in catering is kind of like a Monday morning in a regular job, and Monday morning, how many times people are greeted with a big smile? Hey, how you doing? Hey, look at me. You know, they really were looking forward. And considering how even during a week was our weekend, 
So usually Thursday night, except, you know, for some of us younger people, if we were off on Thursday night, and that was the next biggest night if there was going to be a party, it would be Thursday night. After, you know, after a week, busy weekend, the next night would be like a, a Thursday where it was. But if we were off on Thursday, we'd go to a nightclub. And on Thursday night, for a couple of years, our house band, The Exceptions, Joey's band, would play at, and I forgot the name of the plate, the Roosevelt, it was on Roosevelt Boulevard. I think it was called Roosevelt. I think it was called Roosevelt's. I'm not sure. But we would go there, and there would be like 15, 20 of us, maybe even more, and we'd just all congregate. Even though we may not plan to meet there, that's what we'd meet. We'd meet when we're not working, how many places. And then we have all these other things during the year. We would go on picnics. We'd have a big company picnic. And they'd have it at the local park, and then they'd go to maybe the boss's house on the Delaware River. He had his big estate on the river. We go to, uh, gosh, we go to baseball games. We have one memorable baseball game. We just had a, a, a skybox. We had like thirty guys there. I think I don't know if the girls showed up or something like that. The girls were invited too, but it was back back in the late eighties, early nineties. It was in, I think eighty nine, ninety. After one particular baseball game, <coughs> we had a skybox. Or one of the boxes, I guess you call it, the executive box. Directly. Or we were in we were in an area that had a bar. That was their big thing. And after that, we went to one of the Riverside clubs. And more people from Rose would gather. We may end up having 30, 40 people there. Guys and girls, their significant others. And we're drinking. And... I think Brian was there. I'm pretty sure Joe ended up, one person ended up getting paid to, you know, bet the bungee jump. They had a bungee jump set up on a big crane next to the place called the Beach Club. (coughs) Actually, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag because it's not about me. It's about them. I was the one that was bungee jumping. The owner said, hey, you're going to bungee jump? And I go, oh, it sounds like a good idea. I don't want to pay for it, though. I'm using the money for drinking. He said, I'll pay for it if you jump. And I ended up jumping twice. <clears throat> but these two uh, friends brought back recently. And when that passes away, you start getting the messages. The ninth thing, like I mentioned in previous episodes about social media is that people can reconnect after years and I haven't worked at I haven't worked at Rosewood for God it must be going on 20 years yeah about 20 20 19 20 years it was a year after I got married and then I moved away and I I think I worked, I worked some weekends up until 2003. could have been 18 years ago. And when you work at a place and it becomes part of your social life, your support network, your, your work life. Now, a couple years, I worked in the office too. I did sales part-time and then I would bartend the funeral lunches. And on the weekend, I would do bartending, doorman, 
uh, sold wedding packages, and made her dean. You know, it was made, made her dean a lot at the end. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to clear my throat. But these relationships we built, I started there part-time, very part-time when I was in high school. And then I went away for college. I, I came back a couple of years later, and I kept on working on weekends. I came on weekends. That was the thing. You you had your regular job, and then you go back on on the weekends and work the Rosewood from Friday to, to Sunday. How many people give up their whole weekends for a job, but they look forward to it? Because it was a... It was, a, it was one of the few places you could work and you really had a great time doing it. You had the guys in the band, you had our DJs, you had your friends. You were surrounded by your friends, your support network. People at the end of the night you have a drink with. Now, you know my history if you're a regular listener. I drank a lot, so hence I don't drink anymore. And I'm not... Rosewood wasn't the cause of my problem drinking or anything like that, but it was certainly a focal point for good times, fun. And like any place of work, you had some people cycle through there, and you'd see a lot. There were some of the younger servers, not so much bartender. When you got into a bartender there, there people tend to stay there, the bartender, because it was a really nice job so every so often you had to work there was a tiny room called the madison room you had to bring all the the beer and it you know they had one of those portable rolling bars you had to bring everything in with the ice it was always like the main room it was like a casino the dj the bartenders treated the servers not so much the servers really didn't mind working the madison room because you, you never had any more than 50 60 people you have just one person and every so often we do a little wedding in there. And then it would be the Mater D and a server. And it was pretty, pretty sweet work because, you know, it's just mainly buffet and you, you know, clear plates and things like that. Maybe towards the end have a little cocktail. And then you had your DJ friend, he'd play some music. And sometimes he'd throw it, you know, they're always, they, Brian, would play this selection of music that the bride and groom or the people having a party would play. But every so often he'd throw in a song when appropriate for a person who worked there. And then we had our own parties. And to, to give you a real kind of a feeling for what these people were like, we uh, had our biggest party of the year was New Year's Eve. We'd sell tickets. People would scramble for tickets at Rosewood Caters for New Year's Eve start in November. Start, and they'd sell out. We'd have like a two left heyday at height. We'd sell out well before Christmas. And we'd have our rooms maxed out. Maxed out. And they'd have a big buffet, open bar, five, six hours. I have a hard time remember it. They started... I think it started around 8 o'clock and we went to 1 and things like that. But it could have been a little early. It could have been like 4. It could have been five and a half hours. I'm not, not exactly sure. But they do a little hors d'oeuvres and then a buffet. And then after everyone's eaten, they start with the music. I mean, the music's going the whole time, but dance music plays after the buffet. And they leave one of the buffets open 
So if people wanted to eat later on in the day, to keep a buffet in the lobby so people could eat all night long. And we'd have, it'd have to be around 600 people. And that's our capacity. There were 300 people downstairs. I mean, they could probably even get 350, but I think 300 people downstairs, 250 up. 50 people in our Madison room, our small room. And so you have 600 people. We'd have both our house bands playing. I think one year they switched floors. I don't think they switched in the middle, but if you bought a ticket there, you can go to either room, and it was great. You'd have the Razzmatazz playing upstairs, the, the uh, Exceptions playing downstairs, or vice versa, and things like that, and people would go in there and play. And at midnight, you have the champagne toast and all that stuff. So we had a great time. You know, at, at midnight, we'd fill up all the champagne champagne glasses, put them out on tables, everyone gets that stuff. We'd all have champagne glasses, and people... Uh, that working there, you would start drinking a little because you still had to work. And it was owned by the Ribas family. I neglect to say the Ribas family. John Ribas was the proprietor, but it was his his brother Dave was also involved. Kathy, his sister, who worked in the office, was also a manager there. Uh, not so much Walt Walter. But and it was mainly John's show, John and Kathy. And John had other business interests, and Kathy would kind of Kathy, Paul, Ray. There's other Bob. Was there? There were two Rays, I think. If I remember, Ray in high school, and uh, and then older Ray, older Ray. That's it. so the proprietor, John Ryan, He treated us like family too. It was great. And his wife would be there, Missy. And we'd, at the end of the night, things started winding down. People started leaving. You make sure I'd be at the door or I'd be bartending. And we'd be seeing everyone out. And we'd start cleaning up somewhat, getting most of the stuff up. Because there'd be someone that would come in in the next day or two to do a deep cleaning. But we'd start breaking down some of the tables, putting them away. So there's not as much work for the person that comes in. And we take the streamers out of the ceiling. And then right around 2 o'clock, yeah, that's 2 in the morning, the party started in the Madison room. And that would get packed in there. And these people, got to remember, these people came in around 6 o'clock, 5.30. And they started... They went right into that. Now, they worked a regular job. If it was a weekday or something like that, it was New Year's Eve and they had to work, they had gotten up in the morning at 7 in the morning. Now, it's 2 in the morning, and that's where the party started in Madison Room. And that party would go to 7, 8, sometimes 9 o'clock. The sun was way up on New Year's Day. Joey obviously had to be... Joey would come in for have a couple of drinks and stuff like that, but then... He'd be off because he had to be on New Year's Day. I said he was in a string band. That's when they started getting together, right? Two, three, four o'clock. The string bands would get together because they had to march starting at eight in the morning, nine in the morning. String bands started a little later in the day. But they, it, it was all night thing. But so Joey, Joey was going, could be going for more like 36, 40 hours straight in a row, no sleep. 
And we'd be doing, you know, ours was, you know, we'd be going for 24th, you know, 25 hours after we were done at our New Year's Eve party. And one of the, it would start out with Brian and Kevin would be DJing or Mike or Dave Rotan, trying to remember the names. They got a little DJ booth in that tiny room we had. Tiny room. It was bigger. We'd be dancing, drinking. We'd be back, you know, people helping themselves. Usually one of the bartenders would hang out there for a little while, kind of like rotate to make sure people had all the drinks they need. Because the worst, remember I, I told you once before, the worst bartender anybody will ever have is themselves sometimes, especially when you've partaken of a couple. Because then your judgment on how the poor goes out the freaking window. So let's say Brian's DJing and stuff like that. And then Paul Lafferty, our fearless leader, he was assistant manager for a while and became the general manager. He would start DJing. He would take over. And we'd be up dancing and stuff like that. And if Paul, he's going through the, uh, this was back when we still had little, 45s. They're the small records, the single, you know, with one song on either side. Eventually went to CDs and all that stuff, which was easier for them. But Paul would pull out a record and look at it, and the song he didn't like, they ended up giving the guys money for it, but he would just break the record. Like the record. But we were, we'd have a good time. And we had our Christmas parties. The Christmas parties we had were uh, normally the 22nd or 23rd of December. They never put parties that last three days of Christmas. And every so often someone would come in and try to book Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And they just say, hey, nope, we don't, we don't do that. I mean, it took the long view. John wasn't one of those people... It wasn't his only business interest, so they, he wasn't going to put people to work on Christmas Eve. He was kind of like Ebenezer Scrooge's boss, the first boss he had, the real Fezziwig. Fezziwig was the partier. He says, come on, it's Christmas, let's go. No more work. So Fezziwig was a good character, and John Rabbit was kind of like Fezziwig. And then we had all the guys... I mean, it's innumerable. I don't want to name too many people because then I'd be leaving someone out. But the people that contacted me about recently about the people that passed away, there's Mike Amoroso, Jim Feely, Rocky Swinar. Yeah, I, I got a friend in Philadelphia, from Philadelphia, named Rocky. And he's kind of, he's kind of, he wasn't, he was better spoken than Rocky Rocky, but he was kind of a, a tough character, little character, you know, little character. When you say little character, he's not little. He was a, you know, stocky young fella. Great guy. Contacted me. Made me think about those times. And you know what? When you get in contact with these people, you just remember the good feelings you had. You always remember. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have a group of friends Think about them the next time you have a reason to contact them and, and, or, it's, or something like that. Bring back a memory of it. And it's almost always the good time. If it's something that's not a good 
feeling or something like that, then maybe, you know, maybe something did go on. But this is, for these guys, I mean, the, the, a couple of weeks ago we had Kevin O'Dare come down. He was one of the bartenders. Uh, we had all these servers. I had gotten letters from servers. I worked with Debbie, uh, Cheryl, uh, the couple people I, uh, I, I was close to. Kathy uh, was a friend. Uh, my God, I I hope, I mean, you never know. You, ne- you never know. And you're afraid to ask sometimes. When people were a little older, you're, you're afraid to ask how they're doing. Because uh, if they're not, if you're not talking directly to them. This is so, because you're, you're invariably, when you go and say, well, so how's so-and-so? Oh, they passed away. There were the Sadler ladies. All the Sadler ladies were in their 60s when... I worked there in the 90s. So I'm, I have a feeling that, you know, if not all of them are passed away. I know, two, I know one of them definitely passed away, but they'd be in their 90s now. It's just those like I said I was talking about the Christmas party we have our Christmas party show up we had a core of 50 people that worked there maybe 60 if you include the bands the bands were kind of contracts and stuff like but we also had photographers who we were close to Larry Larry Darling there was an Irene oh there was a uh, uh, even though almost 90% of the people worked there were uh, Roman Catholic Rabbi Walmart he was he was a rabbi that did uh, our what, if we had a ceremony at the Rosewood, there was a better chance than not that the officiant was Rabbi Walmart. He was this little Jewish guy. He wanted to be called instead of Rabbi, he called him Ira. I think it was Ira, and he was uh, a bodybuilder, you know, bald, and he'd come in there. He asked for a scotch on a scotch rocks. You know, turkey sandwich. You always wanted a tur- you know, turkey sandwich. We had turkey and stuff like that. We loved it. We loved Rabbi Walmart. And uh, we'd come in, have a drink uh, before and after. Not too much. He didn't overdo it. Yeah. So that Christmas party, we'd have all the workers, all the bands. There were significant others, friends. There were friends of the owner. Friends of some of the, uh, some friend, you could bring a plus, plus two if you want. That was nice. It was one of those, the, the Ribas family and Paul and Kathy, they, that's what they were like. They never sent anybody away. And the party would start at night, and once again, it would go till, gosh, until daylight. That was a crazy party. If you think about it, most people arriving after 8 o'clock, and leaving at six in the morning, kind of like a Polish wedding. I don't mean insulting that because I went to a Polish wedding two years, uh, two and a half years ago. The summer before COVID, and that wedding lasted fourteen, fifteen hours. So that kind of that's why I mean a Polish wedding. Oh, the one Polish wedding I went to. And I remember recently talking to Brian. When I say recently, last year's. Brian had called me. He was heading down to Key West. I think he was flying into Key West. I wasn't sure. 
but it was during busy season. I wish I had gone down to see him, but it was in the middle of busy season. I have all my different things. I know you always find a reason why not to go, but unless you're passing through town here, it's really hard. I'm making explanations. It's really hard to go down to Key West, and I kind of regret that. But we did talk for a couple hours, and we spoke a couple times. Brian. And he he told me that how he wished he could have went to Poland. He was looking forward to going down on a cruise. He was going to go on a cruise in Key West. He was going to, I think they were going to make a stop in Key West. Well, that was it. They were going to make a stop in Key West, but it was when I was working. And I speak to his, I, I've had ongoing conversations with his brother, Kevin. Holiday. Jim Feely would stop down here. Kevin O'Dare, you heard about that. Guys, McGinnis, who weren't Rosewood, but there were people we knew from Rosewood and from the neighborhood. All these things. All these things you remember about the people that knew you. I spent my late adolescence to, I guess... Adulthood at the Rosewood. Half my life at that time. More than half my life at that time. Over 20 years. Working for a place and really enjoying it. It was like a long party. Working with people you liked. And I guess it's one of those things. You, you didn't. It wasn't one of those things where you, you needed to have one particular person, we always said, well, we'll, you know, the, the old adage, once again, you know, we will continue without you. They could continue without you. You always think that you're a little irreplaceable. There's, there was people, it was a prime job. It was a fun place to work. And people, when they, when they got a job there, a lot of times they would just stay unless they had to move. Very few people, you know, there were guys that became Police officers, they stayed. They stayed there after they after they went to the police academy. People in college, some some people after they graduated from college, they wouldn't work there anymore. But some of them still kept on working. Rocky, Case, Jim Feely. It it was it was a family, and it's 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 sad to see these people passing but it's also when you're thinking about people if it's the memories that you bring back if there's more happy it's it's worth talking about on a on the season premiere of the 11th season of curb your enthusiasm larry david if you're not familiar with show larry david was one of the producers and writers of the seinfeld show now he's in he has a show on HBO, and it's the 11th season, so Larry David. His friend, Albert Brooks, famous actor, is having a living wake. And a living wake, he was throwing for himself, was a wake for, for people to come and remember him. And so he could keep alive. They stayed in another room, and there was a camera, and he had all these people at the wake, and they did... Uh, a little eulogy and all that stuff. It was quaint. It was really quaint. But Larry David goes up and says something that's kind of embarrassing about him. 
and then they discover that he's a hoarder. But these uh, these two guys, as long as with everyone else at Rosewood, I'll remember them for years, and they were some of the best part, some of the best parts of my life. And I hope that you had. That you, the listener, had an opportunity to experience that. I know life is at work. But sometimes you can get joy from the place you work. And you can get camaraderie. You can get that familial relationship. Lifelong, lifelong relationships with people that you care about, you deeply care about, are some of these people you work with. I mean, a lot of people meet their spouses at the place they work. So, don't sell short. People say shit about work all the time. You know, life's too short. You know, don't think about work. Blah, 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 blah. But sometimes, and I guess a catering place where you're celebrating, a lot of times you're celebrating, except for you, you know, the funeral lunches and things like that. And even then, sometimes you celebrate someone's life. Celebration of life, people call it. Well, there's a lot to celebrate in Brian and Joey, uh, Brian Sokolowski and Joey Joniak's lives. They were good guys, really good guys, fun, uh, always a pleasure to be around, like a lot of those people there. It, some people that you normally wouldn't be friends with, but I'm not saying because of their character or anything, because you would not have met them. You would not have traveled in the same circles. And you end up being friends with them and things like that. And you develop lifelong friendships like I still have now. Rocky just contacted me. I was, can you say, I still stay in contact with, uh, let me turn my, oh my gosh. I got the Evil Dead just popped on. Let me pause this for a second then I'll sign off, okay? Hold on, folks. Let me put a little music on. Yeah, that's the, I was watching the Evil Dead. Hold on. Okay, let me bring that music back down. Yes, the TV popped on. The Evil Dead just popped on. No, I was... I never had it opportunity. I had it on pause, I think, from a while ago when I turned on TV. It must have popped back on. Um, there's no irony for it because I was watching that movie and because it was on I never saw it before. But So, let's get back. I really uh, hope that you get the chance to form these type of relationship. You know, we do have families, but, you know, if someone creates, I guess if someone creates a atmosphere at work where friendships can develop and it's like a family, then it it trickles down through the whole place. You know, some people will be a little infighting, a little cattiness sometimes and things like that. But overall, the general feeling was convivial, familial friendship. I mean, we go to, we get beach houses together and stuff like that. There's a group of us get beach houses, go on vacation together, travel, do crazy trips. I did a couple ski trips, beach vacations, uh, trips out. We did uh, the one thing the whole Rosewood crew did. And we had a, I think we had a bus, so we all drove down. Can't remember. But there was this participation theater, I guess you would call it or something. It was called Tina, Tony and Tina's Wedding. 
and it was a South Philadelphia wedding, an Italian-American wedding, and they had it at a, a, a small church and a catering hall, and we had the whole Rosewood crew there. And we were a wedding crew going to a play about a wedding. And we made up easy half or more of the audience. There was like 80 of us. And it was a great time. We had a ball. Some of us hung out with, you know, uh, what did they say? Was I making, someone accused me of making out with the bride at Tony and Tito's wedding because Tina wasn't married. But I don't think it was me. I don't think it was me. I just, it's, it gets all cloudy when you go back. This is something like 30-something years ago. It was a good time. It was like 32 years ago. And uh, there was a local, a woman, what was her name, Stella? She did one of those horror movies, Saturday Night Horror movies. She was a host. She was one of the, the servers at it. And it was an acting. Well, I mean, that was an acting place. She was a server and she was an actor in it. Even though they just did this little pasta buffet and stuff, we, you know, we just and a cash bar, which you really don't have, you know, in Northeast Philadelphia, no one had really had a cash bar at the wedding, so it was always an open bar. But we did things like that. We had really good times. We did some amazing things together, and Brian and Joey uh, were always there. You see it. And I know in the future we're going to lose some of, some of the other people, but I think it was important to say those things. I Recently I was trying to, uh, I came across some photos and I started writing on the back of it just in case. I guess I should, I mean, I guess I should catalog some of these older photos. But they're not the only things I remember. Sometimes you see photos and Brian, Kevin's, uh, Brian's brother Kevin sent me a photo of, us together when I was a, a younger man. Obviously, we were all younger men and, and women. And it does. It really does. Whenever you see something like that, if people are contacting you, it's because they have kind you know, memories of you. And I'm flattered when they reach out. I guess I should do the same to them. I don't get the chance to go up there as much because after I had separated and subsequently divorced, I really don't have anything up there anymore. The family, I have second or third cousins up in Philadelphia, an ex-wife, a bunch of friends, a bunch of friends, which is a good enough, should be a good enough reason. So I just, I realize why I'm saying this, and I do have a reason to go up there. And I was recently in that neck of the woods. I did not go to Philadelphia but I guess I should. Next time I will. Next time I will. Uh, once again, listeners, thank you very much for listening. Share this podcast with your friends and family. I know it's not for everyone. People say, I don't want to hear this horse shit. Well, this po- podcast, maybe I'm full of horse shit or gym shit, whatever you want. But if you like it, share it with your friends. Remember, get boost these ratings for me. We get better exposure on those big platforms if you download as many episodes as you can. Remember, you can always delete them. 
But those downloads are powerful. And I have over, this is the 518th episode. 518 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. So, but if I can get a couple people doing that every week, that'll be something. Thank you very much. Have a great uh, week. I don't know if I'll have another episode coming your way. It is now. I work, um, I have things to do tomorrow and a double on Sunday, but I will be back on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Thank you very much and have a great weekend. Um, Final words. uh, Brian Sokolowski, Joey Joniak, you will be missed.